I'm Kate Daniels. I'm grateful to have Thomas Reynolds, CEO of Northwest Harvest, join us this morning. From the perspective of food and hunger, we get a necessary and important look at life here in our bustling and economically robust community. Thomas comes to this work with a heart focused on social justice. On this Easter morning, I hope all of us have the open heart to hear the important messages and find where we fit in and we are part of the important solution. Thomas Reynolds, good morning, and how great to have you join us once again. Good morning, Kate. Nice to hear your voice. (laughs) Well, thank you. And I am just so grateful that we have another opportunity to talk about the work that goes on with Northwest Harvest and really how much we are a part of it. Northwest Harvest doesn't stand alone without all of us being involved. Uh, It's just a name, not all the energy and experience and work that happens in the community. Well, that's right, Kate. Uh, One thing that I've learned in my first year as CEO of Northwest Harvest is there are tens of thousands of volunteers. There are hundreds of thousands of people who have experienced poverty and experienced food insecurity. And there are, again, tens of thousands of people who make financial contributions and and, uh, policy contributions to a food system that can be more just and more equitable. And if we all work together, we can make a big difference. And these differences have been apparent. Uh, The last time we spoke was uh, in December when we had this big gathering of people uh, in many different ways to raise the funds and raise the food that was needed through Northwest Harvest and all the donations that came forth at that time. So it was, I think, a record-breaking year, wasn't it? It was a record-breaking year. And what that event did in December was to provide food for food banks across western Washington and across the state, not only for December and holiday season, but for January and February as well. And that was incredibly well received by the community. And the work just continues. And in this work... I think we will do well to understand how so much of just the basic things that go on in life in our community really are important factors of what goes on with hunger, that being that those who are living at lower income levels, and really it's incredible in this day and age, in this time here in the Northwest, that there is so much poverty. And that poverty aligns itself along certain social lines. uh, And that's something that I think bears investigating or at least becoming informed about so we can approach this whole subject of hunger in a way that we can hopefully eradicate it. It's really important to understand that very closely connected factors of people who experience poverty and people who experience food insecurity. Seattle was just rated the third most unequal metro in the entire United States. And Right now, one in eight Washingtonians experience food insecurity. These issues of poverty and food insecurity are very much connected. And I don't think, really, if we leave ourselves open and aware, we can miss it around ourselves, regardless of which community we live in. We do see that injustice, that poverty, so apparent around us. 
Well, that's right. Uh, even Northwest Harvest is experiencing the dynamics of a rapidly growing economy um, that is fueled by really positive things that are happening in Washington State, our continued emergence as a global tech leader, and uh, the work that we are doing in the biomedical fields is very positive for Seattle and for Washington State. But at the same time, that means rents are increasing, the cost of living, the cost of health care, the cost of food is also increasing, and that means some people are left out. Uh, the Cherry Street Food Bank, which we have operated in the same place for 35 years, just received a notice that the property is going to be redeveloped and a 30-story high-rise condominium structure is going to be built. So we as well, I think in some ways in solidarity with the people that we serve, uh, find ourselves in need of finding a new location for our services. That stuns me, Thomas. It is the story of Seattle. Uh, we have a booming economy, and many people are benefiting from that. And at the same time, there's another Seattle that is really struggling. Uh, people working two and three jobs, often without benefits, and struggling to find places to live that they can afford the rent and struggling to pay for health care and then struggling to pay for food. It's a real factor um, that, that translates booming economy into serious risk factors for people who struggle. And that's why Northwest Harvest is interested in not just providing services that help people today. We're very committed to that. But we are also looking at the underlying causes of poverty and food insecurity so that we can see a Washington that has a future both for high-income earners and people who struggle with income. And that's where you have a page on your website that is the legislative area. And so when we look at that, is that one of the key areas to be involved or is there more that we should be discussing? I think it's one of the key areas, but we're looking through the lens of a, of a whole systems redesign. It is our desire to see hunger rates cut in half in the next 10 years across Washington state. And that is not going to happen just pro by providing more services. We have something that's called a theory of change. The theory of change is if people who are at risk of hunger can access nutritious food and a broad set of actors can be mobilized to address the underlying causes of food insecurity and poverty, and investments are channeled to scalable, effective hunger-fighting initiatives, then we can cut hunger in half. And so I think policy work, I think innovation, I think new ways of looking at access to uh, nutritious food that's equitable for everyone, these are all factors at play to make a longer-term difference that addresses the underlying causes as well as the immediate needs of today. So to make this manageable, so we know the steps we need to take to join in your effort, that is our collective effort, to make this happen, how do we go about that, Thomas? Yeah, in anticipation of the chance to talk with you, I asked a couple of uh, leading lights across Western Washington with some of their thoughts. And uh, Shemso Isaac uh, is, is a woman who runs Living Well Kent uh, down in South King County. And I was asking her about some of the things that she's seeing that's really working right now. Because sometimes I think 
the problems are so big and they seem so intractable that it, it seems like nothing can be done. But she was very encouraged by some of the work that they're doing right now. They're working, for instance, with uh, newly arrived immigrant farmers uh, who are growing fruits and vegetables and then selling them to the public at a farmer's market without paying a, a booth fee or, or um, a fee to sell their fruits and vegetables. This is a win-win-win to me. It's a win uh, for the farmers, obviously, because they can increase their income, which increases their own ability to um, generate resources for their family. It's a win for the public because they're able to access those healthy fruits and vegetables, take those home and make healthy meals. And it's a win for our community because it highlights the importance of contributions, not only from people who have lived in Washington for generations, but for the people who are newly arrived in Washington and make uh, the Seattle area and Washington State a more vibrant place because of our diversity. Well, I can certainly uh, understand a, a number of the wins having n- these new immigrants who probably are very familiar with growing their own food coming here and being able to really translate that into a, a way to feed themselves, but also to make an income. But I think the piece of it that maybe um, could be a loss, and you said that about not having to pay a fee for doing the farmer's market. Is that normal to pay a fee? That is normal. The way most of the farmer's markets work across Washington State the farmer's market needs to uh, sustain itself is uh, the farmer pays a fee in order to have the chance to sell their fruits and vegetables and, and other items directly to the public. This is, this is normal and appropriate and sustains the farmer's market. However, for very low-income farmers, the fee can be prohibitive to actually getting out to the market directly. So the fact that uh, Shamso Isaac's organization has created this opportunity is a boon for farmers who maybe have fairly small plots of land but still want to have the opportunity to sell directly to consumers. So it would be Living Well Kent that perhaps provides the funds for the farmer's market? Uh, King County is providing the funds and it's routed through Living Well Kent. They're the facilitators and I think it's a great program. And I think that highlights the importance of policy and the way policy is implemented both locally in the state of Washington and then also on a federal level. And, of course, there are some big issues with the SNAP program on the federal level right now. Yes, exactly. So we have a way there, too, uh, of maybe helping to make an impact. Is that right? I think that's right. And it's important to know that one in seven Washingtonians benefit from SNAP. And for those who are not familiar with the acronym SNAP, it is the modern-day equivalent of food stamps. This is a monthly allotment of financial resources that enables people to buy food. Now, it doesn't fully cover the needs of an individual or a family, but it generally provides about two and a half weeks of the month worth of resources that people can go buy fruits and vegetables and and other foods at um, markets, uh, grocery stores, and supermarkets across the state. What's at risk right now, though, is a 30% cut in SNAP benefits, which I really think would be catastrophic. 
we are talking something along the lines of a reduction of benefits over 10 years of more than $200 billion across the country. And that's just, it's, it's really a shocking number when we think about um, the recent tax bill and the number of tax breaks that I think we're coming to recognize have really benefited corporations and higher income earners in a disproportionate way to the lowest income earning people in our society. Yes, definitely. Uh, uh, to all of that, that we find that um, there's that inequity that is growing even more so because of the tax cuts, but certainly then with all these cuts to these important programs that support lower income and poverty level individuals and families. So it it boggles the mind for one thing, but what is it? How can we stop this kind of thing from going forward? Certainly the tax cuts, I think, are are kind of in place for for the present. But what about with SNAP? How can we do something to alter that? Well, I think uh, there's short-term and long-term responses to that question, Kate. One is right now is the very best time to contact your elected official and tell them how important you think it is to support low-income people in our society. Because um, up for negotiation right now is the farm bill, and the Farm Bill is the, the bill with uh, the U.S. Congress that authorizes SNAP and the SNAP program. And I think we have a great story that we can tell elected officials in Washington. Washington State's implementation of the federal SNAP program is one of the best in the nation and is highlighted for a number of reasons for being so effective. Effective and, and responsive. And um, it, it's, it's a story that our Washington state elected officials know, both our senators and our representatives. I met with them in Washington a couple weeks ago. But I think what they need to hear is a volume of people who are reaching out to them and saying, this is important. This is important for me because I benefit from the SNAP program directly, or it's important to me because I believe in the importance of equity uh, for all members of Washington state. And I saw on your website, uh, and let's mention the website address in case someone's not aware of it. Sure. It's northwestharvest, all one word, dot org, northwestharvest.org. So I did see there an opportunity to share your story as to how you have been touched by this, by SNAP, how that has affected your life. If we haven't been directly, I think we're all indirectly affected. If we haven't been directly, what else can we be doing to make sure that this goes forward and is shared across the country? Well, again, uh, I think reaching out right now to elected officials is very important. But I have a longer term aspiration that I would like to encourage residents of Washington State to think about. And that is, as much as we make voting decisions based on economic policy or housing policy or you know some people make decisions based on defense policy i would like to see elected officials only elected if they're very clear on what their food platform is and that the food platform would very clearly state that we believe in and support farming 
especially family farms and the rights of farm workers and the rights of all people, regardless of gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, to have equitable access to nutritious food. If we collectively as a society remind our elected officials that they work on our behalf and we care about a food platform, then we can make a very big difference. That that sounds just ideal. My feeling is, to how do we get someone to have that platform? How do we get them there so we can vote on that kind of a person? Well, I'd like to see a movement of people across Washington State, and I'd like to see that as a diverse movement, uh, a movement that includes farmers, a movement that includes people in the food system. If you think about the number of restaurant workers, the number of people who work at grocery store chains, the people who distribute food across the state, the number of people who are engaged in food banking and are clients of food banks, we collectively have a very big voice and a very significant representation across the state. If we can join together and remind elected officials that they are in office because of us, because we believe in them, and because we support the promises they make during election season, we can make a big difference. And and I think that's what we need to do. The role of advocacy is such a powerful piece of being a citizen in a democracy. Uh, The Anti-Hunger and Nutrition Coalition recently hosted uh, an Anti-Hunger Day in Olympia, and we had hundreds of people from across the state Um, come and advocate uh, meeting with elected officials and remind them how important it is that a food platform uh, should be central to the promises they make during their election seasons and then to the way that they execute their office. And so you're saying, Thomas, that had a good turnout and those elected officials really saw the numbers and heard the voices. They really did. And we had a serious victory this year. Governor Inslee has just signed legislation that we call the Breakfast After the Bell legislation. This has been uh, an effort that's been more than six years in length. And finally, in a revenue-neutral bill, we're providing the opportunity for kids who get free and reduced lunch now to get free and reduced breakfast after the first school bell rings during classroom instruction. And, you know, why does this matter so much? Well, it's revenue neutral. The money was already there for it. But uh, if you ask kids, and if you ask my own kids, if they wanted to play outside or go inside to a lunchroom and eat breakfast before school, many of them would pick to play outside, or they don't simply arrive to school early enough in order to get that breakfast. But nutrition is so important, and now school kids across the state are going to be able to have breakfast and get those vitally important nutrients at the start of their day to make learning more conducive. And that's a piece of it that I feel warrants underscoring is uh, if we're not really conscious of that, how important nutrition is to brain activity, to being alert enough to sit in the classroom and learn so that you're, you're not distracted by that rumbling in your little tummy. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, Another win, uh, the House just passed uh, House Bill 1482, and that creates a joint legislative task force across state agencies. Uh, And it also has significant community engagement that's going to focus on reducing adverse childhood experiences 
and works on intergenerational poverty. And so we can thank our elected officials in Washington State for getting the job done. This has been a very, very positive year from a policy standpoint. And so I guess that that's a two-pronged approach is to ask our legislators to be acting on our behalf in terms of the different bills and going uh, sending forth messages to Washington, D.C., but also, I think, in turn, thanking them. That probably is a, a valuable part of what we do. Absolutely right. I, I think it's really important for elected officials to hear from us. Uh, you know that they hear from uh, paid lobbyists they hear on all sorts of issues, um, and uh, much of what decision-making is driven by is by economic policy. But if we, again, make food policy something that they hear about frequently, uh, they're going to be responsive to that, and that's really important. And so this is really not a new concept, but I think what you're saying, Thomas, is we have to just put more energy behind it and really uh, make greater efforts in pushing forward to make this policy and to maybe get to a point where it's so standard that we don't have to have debates about it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think um, effort and persistence really do pay off. And that's one of the key um, points about policy. You know, policy needs to become prioritized. It needs to be well-written, and then it needs to be well-implemented. And that's something that we can be involved in, too. And I think there's another thing that we can do just as individual citizens to um, encourage and support equity and equal access to nutritious food uh, across all of Washington State residents. And that is um, the role of empathy. And I think empathy is a very important concept. So advocacy, empathy, these are things that go hand in hand. And I think if we feel, like I sometimes feel, I just don't know truly how to go about some of this, uh, I think contacting, getting involved more with Northwest Harvest you have ways that, uh, and probably niches and opportunities for us to really become part of a team. Absolutely. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, we'd love to join with you. you. You know, through Northwest Harvest, you can get engaged as a volunteer. We have tens of thousands of volunteers who work with us across the state. Um, people come to the Cherry Street Food Bank to help us um, uh, ensure that uh, low-income people can take healthy groceries home with them or provide a meal to someone who doesn't have a home to go to. Um, people also help us with uh, packing fruits and vegetables and uh, redistributing them to food banks across the state. Um, people give financially. And, and I'd like to underscore that with this tax bill, there's a real concern that um, – donations are going to go down this year because there's less of an incentive to give charitable contributions. So if you can, please find your local food bank and make a donation to them. And if you can do even more, make a donation to Northwest Harvest as well, because we're going to do a very efficient, effective job of stewarding your philanthropic resources. And to underscore that piece of it as well is certainly foodstuffs are always welcome, but I think of how our dollars, those donations, really go so far with Northwest Harvest because you have such exemplary buying power. 
Yeah, thanks, Kate. You know, I think people probably don't think much about what's underneath the hood, if you will, but we have so many relationships with family farms across the state. They give us fruits and vegetables that are wonderful uh, and very productive, and we can redistribute them across the state. But it does require a little bit of money to do that because we've got trucks that we operate um, and we've got people who drive them, and uh, we need to make sure that the whole distribution system is working too. So on average, we can provide a meal to a person for 23 cents, and that's because of the leverage effect of uh, those relatively small financial resources being able to manifest itself in very large donations of fruits and vegetables and and proteins and uh, shelf-stable goods as well. But I wondered, Kate, if we could just get back to this concept of empathy, because I think it's really important. Absolutely. I was asking a number of people before I knew you and I were going to talk, and uh, one of my closest friends, an African-American woman, said, Thomas, if you could just encourage people to think about empathy, that it was very powerful for her. I think a lot of people are talking about equity, diversity, bias these days. But she said, for me, uh, as a black woman, it's something that I've had to deal with my entire life. And empathy as as a concept is very powerful because empathy is about putting oneself in another person's place. And she said, you know, The value of everyone thinking about the role of empathy in their lives is the ability to seek to understand other people and the aspects that uh, contribute to their own path. And so I just thought that's something that we could all work on starting from right now. If we just begin to think about what is the path, what is the journey of each person's life, and if we understand from a gender standpoint or from an ethnicity standpoint, some people have been given more opportunities than others. And if we could just understand that and put ourselves in other people's shoes, I think we can individually contribute to a more equitable and a more just society. Oh, yes. That is so powerful. Really a simple thing to do, walk a mile or even a block in another person's shoes to get the sense of what that is. And maybe that helps us to cycle back to what you said about how donations may decrease because of these tax cuts. If we could put aside, you know, that kind of economic benefit to us because we donate and we get a tax credit for it, not think about that, but think about what the right thing is to do is to donate because it comes from the heart and it's going to make a difference in that person's life, especially if we've experienced what it feels like to be in their shoes. That's absolutely right. And I talk with a lot of donors. I try to say thank you because we are 100% funded by individual donors. And no one ever tells me they've done it because of the tax benefit. They do it because they tell me that Northwest Harvest was significant in their life and their own journey or because they just believe it's the right thing to do or because it just feels wonderful to help someone else. And so, yeah, absolutely. You know, financial contributions and food contributions, they are the lifeblood of the food banking system here in Washington State. And you mentioned that the Cherry Street Food Bank will be displaced sometime in the not-too-distant future. What does that mean? Where will you find a new home? Well, we have put out the plea to uh, the greater Seattle community. If you have somewhere between eight and 20,000 square feet of commercial space, we'd like to talk with you. Uh, we have a number of leads now 
um, but we don't know whether we can afford any of them. And we are very committed to continuing to not only supply 375 food banks across the state, but to directly relate with people with lived experience in food insecurity through our own food bank right here in Seattle. We'll continue to do that. Uh, fortunately, our landlord, Trinity Parish, who's worked with us and given us free rent for 35 years, they gave us a year's notice. So that's really helpful. But still, a year is a scramble in a real estate environment so intense as Seattle. We're working on that. We're also setting up mobile food banks in different places in the city. For instance, Odessa Brown Clinic right now, we have a mobile food bank. And so we'll be doing some more of that. But again, that's still a very important component of what Northwest Harvest does, is to directly serve the Seattle community with our own food bank. So there are a great many needs on many different fronts. There are many of us who have these various talents that can find residents in any of these particular ways to help out. So to get that information, let's mention your website once again, Thomas. Yeah, that's Northwest Harvest, all one word, .org. Northwestharvest.org is our website, and we'd love to hear from you. And Thomas, I've loved hearing from you. Time goes by just too quickly. I do thank you again for being available this morning to give us these important insights, and certainly not the least of which is the important work you do in our community. Well, thanks so much. It's great to talk with you, and I hope we can do it again soon. We will do so.